Welcome to episode 5 of Startup Talk. I'm your host, Craig Major. On this episode, I talk with Emily Rose Anflick, the founder of Chico Systems, about taking the leap from her day job to starting a community, women's co-working space, and wellness center. I also meet with Lyndon Johnson from the Comms Bar about PR and marketing challenges of startups and his lean canvas approach to marketing and PR. All this and more on Startup Talk. Startup Talk is brought to you in part by twitstart.ca. Grow your following. Welcome back to Startup Talk. I'm your host, Craig Major, and today with me is Emily Rose Anflick from Chico System. Welcome, Emily. Thanks, Craig. So, you've been working on Chico System for about a year now. Yeah. And before that, you were a teacher. Can you tell me about you know why you became a teacher and then what why you decided to leave that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I became a teacher. I, I worked in education for about twelve years before starting Chico System. Not always in the classroom, but always with the idea that education is about transforming people and pushing their comfort zones and expanding you know what they think they're capable of. That's my my whole philosophy of learning is make people a little uncomfortable, challenge them a bit. And that's where learning comes from. And as much as I could in my teaching career, I was always trying to connect with the real world. Increasingly, I found that I was being burnt out by by the system, um, that I was sort of feeling constrained by the, the rigidity of the institution and that I was really unable to show up authentically at work. So as much as I was trying to connect what I was doing with reality and to be myself in my classroom, um, <laughs> both with my students and with my administrators and colleagues, I always felt like I was fronting. I had to put on this facade and show up and be Miss Anflick and, and be a certain way, which became harder and harder. I was going through a lot of personal issues. I was going through a major breakup and was suffering some health problems. And, you know, it was February in Toronto and life just sucked. And I still had to show up with a big smile on my face and be this teacher person and check my life at the door. And so I started kind of fantasizing about what would it be like to have a workplace where I could bring my whole self to work and just show up authentically, you know, with the good and the bad and really just come as I was and not have to compartmentalize. Because that compartmentalization, more than like the evenings and weekends of marking and planning and all of that, it was that that emotional effort to to compartmentalize my life that was draining me more than anything and that was burning me out. So I quit teaching in the middle of the semester just because I really hit rock bottom and actually wanted to burn that bridge because I kept defaulting back into that. And so I, I burnt the bridge and gave myself the summer off to just dream, did a lot of somatic work, did a lot of dancing, trained to be a dance facilitator, spent a lot of time in nature, um, and really just allowed myself to open my mind to what could be possible. So that was sort of where Chico System came from, was just from this place of like, there's got to be a better way to show up at work. So a lot of people can't make that leap from a day-to-day job to a, um, an ideal, because you really made a jump from something to nothing. And what gave you the courage to do that? And then, you know, how long did it take you to, to get that action and going? Obviously, you, you quit in the middle of the semester. What happened then? Mm-hmm. Well, I quit actually three weeks before a large community event that I was running. So at the same time that I was teaching full time, I'm also the community leader of an organization called G-Day for Girls, which is a girls rite of passage organization. And we were planning. I had a steering committee. I had 25 presenters and volunteers and all of these people involved. and. And uh, three weeks after I quit was the big event. 
So I think that that was what gave me the courage was seeing in a small way that there was a different way of working because in my steering committee meetings and in all the work that I was doing with G-Day, I had, you know, initially I had been the same person that I was in the teaching. Everything's fine. I'm capable. All the balls are in the air. We're good. We're good. Ticket sales are going great. Everything's awesome. Um, and then I couldn't do it anymore. And I just one day I, I was speaking to the founder of G-Day, who's based in Vancouver, whose name is Madeline Shaw. She's an amazing social entrepreneur and, and a mentor of mine. And I was telling her what was going on in my personal life. And she said, have you let people in? You know, does the team know? And I said, well, I don't know. I don't want to let them. I don't want them to think that I'm incompetent. And, nah, 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 nah. and you know, she said, I think you should try, you know, just see how that goes. And so I told the team what was happening in my life and how burnt out I was feeling and what was happening with my teaching. And as soon as I let them in, as soon as I showed vulnerability, as soon as I was able to be authentic and, and run from that heart-centered place, the team completely galvanized, things shifted, people started actually picking up you know, the areas where I couldn't, people started actually working together to figure out a way that we could run this thing effectively. And so I think that's what gave me the courage. I hadn't quit my job yet at that point. This was like a month or so before. But that gave me the courage to see, okay, there is a different way of showing up as a leader at work. And people respond well to it. And it's effective and things happen. So that was one little clue. And it was also most of these women who were on my steering committee and who were the G-Day presenters and the G-Day volunteers were female entrepreneurs who you know, were living their soul's voice, whether they were like dance facilitators or yoga instructors or, um, you know, running a food company or whatever, they were all doing these amazing things that were coming from this place of passion and purpose. And I saw them and I was like, that's my tribe. That's who I want to work with. So I had that inspiration before I let go of the teaching. I was able to sort of see that there is this other alternative and to have an, an idea of, okay, I think that's where I want to go. I think this is who I want to surround myself with. And the idea for Shikosystem also kind of arose from that because I saw how rarely they were actually connecting in person. So there were all these amazing people doing these really fantastic things in the world and following their passion, but they were isolated. And, you know, through the work with G-Day, all of them were always saying, like, I haven't seen you in years. It's so nice to be in the same room. And I just, you know, started thinking about, okay, how can we make this happen more often where people are actually connecting face-to-face -face and not just on Facebook or not, you know, at a once-in-a-year networking event or conference or something. So it sort of all came together at this, you know, really horrible time, like the lowest of the low times in my life. But there were just these few little sparks of inspiration at that time that were enough to convince me that, yeah, sure, I'm totally terrified and scared. But that fear doesn't mean stop. That fear means, you know, what are you afraid of? And how can I listen to that? And what does that mean? And that's where the body work that I was doing came. And dancing kind of helped me get out of my head and stop overanalyzing and worrying and thinking about, how am I going to make money? What am I going to do? What's everyone going to think? But to actually let some of it sink in on a different level and to know that, that this would eventually be something that would, would fuel me. So how did it come from this point uh, to Shiko system? Like you, you obviously are embracing this culture and these events and these people. Mm -hmm. Where did that come into Shiko? Um, so initially, well, I, I am a member of CSI, the Center for Social Innovation, which is another co-working space. And I had been involved in a co-working space in Bali and knew a lot about that industry and thought, you know, I liked the idea of, of like I said, I 
physical places where people can come together. I knew that part of what I wanted to do was going to be about bringing women together and helping them get unstuck, right? Whatever it was that was making them feel stuck or small or limited, I knew I, I wanted to do something around bringing women together face to face. And so I ran a retreat, a women's retreat, and it was a very co-created women's retreat. And it was, again, about sort of sharing space and seeing what magic happens in, in the white spaces in between people when they're able to bring them their whole selves into any situation and share space. So I thought maybe it's going to be running retreats, maybe it's going to be running programs, maybe I want to do like, you know, rites of passage for adults. I wasn't sure <laughs> what it was going to look like, um, but I did know about co-working also. And so initially, the, the, you know, when I started talking to more and more women entrepreneurs and hearing that they all sort of shared this sense of not seeing each other enough, not connecting enough in person, a lot of them were telling me that they were suffering from isolation, lack of accountability, feeling depressed, sitting at home alone, bouncing the same ideas over and over in their head and not having any sounding board or any other input or feedback to further their ideas. I, I started realizing that, okay, maybe a workspace that we can share, a co-working space, would would be the solution to those problems. And initially, actually, the vision, I, my, the first name that I had in my head, and you have to kind of picture this in your mind in lower cases, was Womb Desk. Womb Desk. So hmm, if you picture the, the lowercase b and the lowercase d and put them together, they make a Venn diagram in the middle. And so there's that place where things connect and the idea of a womb, you know, this space of creation and the feminine. Um, so that was the first, <laughs> that was the first name. And the vision was that it would be... A, like a CSI, a shared workspace for people who have something in common, and that something would be that they were all working for women's and girls' organizations. So I actually imagine this being like a physical hub where all of the different, you know, women's and girls' nonprofits or, or groups in the city would come together and share space. And then I decided, you know, it's not just about people who work for women and girls, it's just about women who want to work a certain way and share space with each other. And so it broadened a little and the name changed because I started thinking about, I, like as I was getting more and more involved in entrepreneurial worlds, and I started hearing that ecosystem world word all the time. People kept talking about the ecosystem and I was like, well, what does that even mean from, from an environmental perspective? What makes an ecosystem thrive? And I have a background in permaculture, which is a systems design thinking approach to basically creating abundance in the world and all of our systems using natural patterns, um, mimicking natural patterns in human systems. So I started thinking, okay, if we're going to use this word ecosystem, like, what does that mean in nature? And in nature, what makes an ecosystem thrive is diversity and interconnectedness. When you have a lot of different organisms existing, sharing a space um, together that have different types of relationships and, and sort of depend on one another to produce abundance. That's what makes systems resilient, right? If you have a monoculture, you need a lot of input, and it also ends up creating a lot of waste. <laughs> um, and if you look at that compared to a coral reef where everything has its system, its purpose in the system, it thrives and it becomes abundant, it becomes you know, more, more resilient. Maybe a coral reef wasn't the best example when it comes to resilience because they're all dead. But applying that environmental thinking to, you know, what what makes an environmental uh, an entrepreneurial ecosystem work was was where I came up with that idea of a ecosystem. So it was creating an ecosystem where there are lots of different people working on different things at different levels of the entrepreneurial journey. You know, from startups to established entrepreneurs, um, in different fields. You know, with different skill sets sharing a space, supporting each other, having 
multi-dimensional relationships. So moving beyond like a client and provider relationship where, for example, one of my members, she's a ecosystem member, she's my life coach, and we're collaborating on some events together. So we have these different types of relationships that can coexist and, and you know, create abundance for both of us. So that was sort of the, that that's the meaning behind the name Shecosystem, and obviously the she part is the feminine. So it was also about recognizing that there's a different way to look at entrepreneurship, that the, the dominant paradigm for the entrepreneur now is, is pretty masculine. It's this idea of, you know, being competitive and aggressive and, you know, what it takes to be an entrepreneur. Um, and I think that there's room for a different way to look at that, a different way to define success and a different way to you know, look at what, what it takes to be on this entrepreneurial journey. I, I, I completely agree with you. Obviously, uh, we run different communities, Startup Toronto and, and Chico System, and we've connected and had several events together. There's a lot of people who in the community are very run a cutthroat um, ship from a incubator accelerator point of view. And it's interesting where when their concept is not everybody should have a business or not every idea should be a business and they want to weed those out right away versus let's actually get a person from their thought process to an actual business. It might not be the one they start thinking, but let's actually launch them and support them through the process, which is kind of like our mindset and obviously your mindset, nurture them through that rather than be that cutthroat person and and just say that's not going to work and shut shut the door on them. It's interesting how the different mindsets in the culture are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're not an incubator or an accelerator. It's really just, it's a space, but you use the word nurture. That's really what it is. So I'm not providing a lot of training. We do do a lot of workshops on business. You know, people come in and run something about, you know, whether it's putting together your business model plan, business model canvas, or, you know, a social media workshop, or, you know, so there are little bits of training, but it's not sort of a formal accelerator program. But it really is just that idea of, yeah, holding space for, those ideas to flourish and to be supported and yeah again like redefining that idea that it's not you don't need to be a unicorn right there's anyone can succeed and we it's up to us to define what success looks like for us and so you know for me the first step in that is is being able to tap into yourself and and what you really want to see happen in the world and in your business and so you spent the last year or so creating this community, mm-hmm. creating Shecosystem, and you now have a location. What was the build-up to that process, and what was the leap to actually pay- paying rent for a physical location? Mm-hmm. It was a big leap. <laughs> the The process started, so last September I started. I, I knew I wanted to do something to start testing the idea because I, I really realized that this was not going to be if you build it, they will come. If I, if I went ahead and thought, oh, I've got this great concept and I'm going to open a space right now, I'd be sitting there in that space by myself. So I knew I had to build a community because that's really ultimately what this is about. This is not about people needing space. People can go to a cafe. You know, in the co-working industry, they always say your competition is not an office. Your competition is a free couch in your apartment. So like it's it's not really about people needing a place to work. It's about people needing a community and a culture to situate themselves in while they do their work. So I knew I had to start with building a community. So what I did was um, I started running meetups and I was really, really fortunate in the early days. I had this meetup concept. I knew I wanted to do it. And I was speaking to Lee Mitchell, who runs Women in Biz Network, which is a national, primarily online women's network for for female entrepreneurs and professionals. Um, they do do some live events, but 
I presented her with this idea. I said, I want to do this co-working and wellness meetup. I want to, you know, there's, it's going to be this thing where we work together for an hour and a half. And then at the end of it, we get out of our heads and do some kind of a wellness exercise, which is the third piece of Shiko system that I didn't really mention. It's about, you know, space and, and community and connection and all that. But it's also about bringing wellness into the workday. Because as I was mentioning, people were suffering from isolation, lack of accountability and all of that. But the other biggest thing that they were suffering from was this idea of like, you know, business, it's it's like a zero-sum game when you're balancing this idea of work-life balance to me is crap. Again, speaks to that compartmentalization thing, which I don't think women in particular don't, that's not our natural tendency to compartmentalize our lives. It's all part of this, this whole big picture that's often very messy and complicated. And so when you start saying like, oh, I can't take time away from my business to do my grocery shopping, go to a yoga class, whatever you're self-care needs are on that day I think that that's garbage because when you are your business if you're not taking care of yourself your business is going to suffer so the self-care piece was another part of it so I, I, I realized it's more than just providing a co-working space where people can connect it's a co-working space with a culture of wellness where self-care becomes a part of the business strategy so that's what I wanted the meetups to be I wanted it to be this experiential taste of like we work we get stuff done we connect we network and I hate that word it's we build relationships and then for 20 minutes, we get out of our heads and we dance, we do yoga, we do a creative writing exercise, we do a guided meditation, wellness broadly conceived. And Sounds so I like presented, fun. yeah, so I presented that idea to Lee um, and she said, you know, I've been looking for a way to add more value to my members by getting them connected face to face. And one of the things we do is we do this mentorship program, but it's mostly online and I want to give a place for the mentors and the mentees to connect face-to-face and get to know each other so let's add mentorship into the mix so it became a co-working wellness and mentorship meetup and lee sponsored it in the the beginning and let me post it on her existing meetup page so the women in biz meetup page at that point had four or five hundred people on it so as a startup with like no i had a name i had just registered the business i had no logo i had no brand i had nothing i think i had a you know a wordpress website that was basically like a picture of me or something I suddenly was able to leverage her network. And so that was really incredible at the beginning because the very first meetup, we rented a room in Artscape Young Place and people came and it grew. And so with that collaboration, Lee and I continued running these meetups together and, and, you know, I would host them and I'd invite a different mentor every week from the community and a different wellness facilitator. So we probably had, I kind of lost count, but it was probably 40 something of these meetups over the year last year, every Tuesday morning. So we, that means we had 40 different mentors, 40 different wellness experiences, and it grew and people started hearing about it. And, and at the six month point, I did a little impact assessment. I put out a big survey. Well, I had done one big survey that was like a market research thing to figure out what do people want? How often are they going to use the space? Does it have to be TTC accessible? Do they need a kitchen? You know, all of those things. But then I did another one to find out, you know, is this working? Have you gained new clients? Have you uh, hired somebody within the community? Have you introduced a new wellness practice into your daily life? And the answers were yes. Like the numbers were great. I can't remember any of the numbers now, but they were good. It it just showed me that like, yeah, this is actually working even without a space with this once a week, two hour thing. There's something going on here. And beyond that, like beyond the numbers that said that it's effective, there was a vibe. And I can't explain it, but like if you ask any woman who came to these things, There was something when you walked in that it didn't feel like any other networking event. It felt comfortable. You know, there was hugs, there were tears, people were talking about their lives. It was, there was this real kind of authentic heart-centered vibe. 
and a lot of the time, you know, what, what I loved hearing the most was people going, I finally found my tribe. I've been looking for this. It's always amazing when that happens. Yeah. So that, you know, after, after a few months of that, it was enough to sort of go, all right, let's do this. <laughs> so it still felt like a huge leap to go from that to a space. And there was a time in the middle where I was having trouble finding real estate where I thought, okay, maybe this is not about a space. Maybe it's something else. I should do pop-ups. I should do retreats, you know, and just trying to reevaluate. But, but I still knew ultimately that that's what it needed to be because it needed to be about, about this becoming the norm, about this becoming the nine to five and not a special event. I really wanted this to be like a culture that's there all the time that people can tap into when they need it um, and sustain it. So you've just uh, launched a space, I believe November 1st? Yeah. And is it fully furnished and painted? I, I saw some pictures online when it was just walls. Yeah, it is mostly furnished. <laughs> yeah, I'd say it's fully furnished. Maybe a couple little like end tables and lamps here and there. So yeah, it, uh, it, it actually, once I did find the space, it came together, together pretty quickly. And yeah, so it's looking great. We have 1,650 square feet right at Bloor and Christie. It's a beautiful space with, you know, awesome light-filled rooms and uh, you know I did have to do some renovations but for the most part it was, it was a really great looking space to begin with so yeah we have three small rooms so there's a, a gathering room aka boardroom trying to use different language too so there's a gathering room an office and a healing room so the healing room a lot of the women who are members are wellness practitioners of one kind or another so we've got sort of a room for mind body healing where there's you know comfy chairs that a coach or a counselor could sit in and talk to their client or we've got a massage table that you can fold out and do body work excellent um, so there's that room, there's a, you know, a couple of big open spaces where people can sit at hot desks. I do have dedicated desks so far. Um, no one has signed up for those packages. And I'm actually thinking of discontinuing that package because this really feels more like a flexible kind of workspace where people come in and they sit in a different place every day and they use it differently whenever they're there. So having the dedicated desks, I'm not sure it's what the community wants. So it's, you know, open, flexible, shared workspaces. We've got a big harvest table in the kitchen where we do potlucks every Tuesday. We have a big multi-purpose studio because I knew that movement was going to be a big part of this also. So having a space that people can go into during the day and stretch or dance or do yoga. We've got a couple of yoga classes going on every week. We do a self-care circle every Wednesday at noon. I do opening and closing circles every day to bring intention into the workday. You know, again, for those solopreneurs who never have a chance to talk to people about their business, this is a way, you know, like in the corporate world, I think they call it a huddle. Um, so it's a way to just kind of connect with the team first thing in the morning. And a lot of the time I'll have sort of a, a big question, you know, that people can come in and, and respond to. Or sometimes it's just, what are you arriving with today? What do you, you know, what do you want to get done today? How are you doing? <laughs> really just an opportunity for people to connect and to speak their minds. And so we do that every morning at 10. And then at 4.30, we bracket it with a closing circle where we say, you know, what are you celebrating today? What did you get done? You know, how are you feeling today? Were there any shifts from, from beginning to end? And those are open for members to come or not. We've also continued doing the meetups. So there's stuff going on in the space every day. And and it's just starting, and, and it's kind of crazy. <laughs> like, so if people wanted to be part of the movement, how do they uh, get in touch with you? How do they get involved? So there are a bunch of events, so you can come to any of those events. So if you go to our homepage, there's an events calendar. And 
all of the events that we do are open to members and non-members, so it's, it's just tiered pricing. Members have discounts, but non-members are always welcome. So for any of the yoga classes or the, we still do the meetups every Tuesday, anyone can come and check those out and come see the space. You can also get in touch with me and come, come in for a tour. And I've got a few other events coming up um, over the next couple of weeks. So uh, it's Global Entrepreneurship Week now. So on Monday, we're doing an open house. So any woman can drop by for the day on Monday and just spend a day in the space and, and check it out. And trying to bring other communities into the space also. So I'm doing a lot of collaborations with different organizations to bring their groups in. Because I really think that, you know, internet marketing can only go so far, like no matter how nice my website is, um, or how many tweets or blog posts or podcasts I do. Like I said, it's that intangible vibe that you feel when you walk into the space. So I really just want to get people in there. We had on Monday a spontaneous new moon circle, um, which was basically me on Thursday night listening to Leonard Cohen and bawling my eyes out because last week was a really tough week for women all over the world. And I really just felt this call to gather in sisterhood. So I put a post up in my closed Facebook group and created an event and didn't even really invite people to it, just sort of said, hey, we need to gather, bring whatever you want, let's share. And 25 people ended up coming Monday night and we had a full moon ceremony and it was completely co-created. You know, one woman who I'd never met before showed up and led us in a guided meditation about the divine feminine. Another woman started a release ceremony. We had vision boarding going on and it just was like this beautiful, spontaneous happening. So I'm trying to do lots of that just, just to encourage people to feel at home and use the space. So we also have next week on the 23rd, on Wednesday evening, a happy hour with CEO, which is transforming the way that women's enterprise is, is funded. So I'm a CEO activator, which means I've decided to really put my money where my mouth is beyond starting Chico system. But I've also invested my $1,000 to be among a thousand other Canadian women who invest in, uh, in women-led ventures. So we're having an info session where the founder, Vicky Saunders, is coming in and she'll be doing a very informal Q&A with us and talking about both how the women in our community can become activators, which is the investors, or can apply to be a venture. So we're trying to encourage people to, you know, look at both sides of that. So yeah, doing a lot of events to just bring people into the space and use it. And really, you know, my goal is for this to be the go-to place for women's stuff in Toronto, <laughs> whether that has to do with entrepreneurship or wellness or just sisterhood. Yeah, and Vicky is supposed to be on the podcast next week. Um, so what's the website again, Emily? It's shikosystem.ca. Thank you very much, and thank you for being on Startup Talk. Thanks a lot, Greg. It's always good talking to you. I'm Andrea from Get Social. I provide social media and marketing strategy for startups and small businesses. I can help you gain the traction you need while keeping things lean. Head over to get-social.ca and sign up for my free content strategy e-course and start converting your followers to customers today. Welcome back to Startup Talk. I'm your host, Craig Major, and with me today is Lyndon Johnson of The Collins Bar. Hi, Craig. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. So tell me, what is The Collins Bar? Collins Bar is like a genius bar, like an Apple genius bar, where you can come and get advice on public relations, marketing, and publicity. That's great. Um, do you do this for everybody? 
It's designed for entrepreneurs, but we work with larger organizations, typically smaller departments inside larger organizations that are looking to innovate around communications, but the service was designed with entrepreneurs in mind. So I'm going to take a step back here and say, you don't sound like a Canadian. <laughs> I don't. So what's your background? Yeah, so I was born in the UK and lived there for four decades. Trained as a broadcast journalist, and that was what I did for the first five to ten years of my career. And got the opportunity a few years in to work with a local economic development department and helping entrepreneurs. Always intended to be a short stop, but it's been the last 20-something years, and I just found that working with entrepreneurs was, it was compelling. It was exciting. I loved helping entrepreneurs build businesses and use the communication skills that I had learned as a journalist and then in the earlier part of my, my career in communications to grow their businesses. So you're a journalist, then communications. How did you end up uh, coming to Canada? My wife's Canadian, and whenever I say that, people assume she wanted to come home and I came with her. The reality is that we had talked about potentially moving to Canada at some point, and it was just circumstance, situation with her job, situation with the job that I was doing at the time. We sat down on a Friday night with a glass of wine and some takeout food and said, look, if we're going to do this, why don't we do it now? And so the decision was made and the process was started and I arrived in October 2010, which seems like yesterday, but was actually six years ago now. Wow, that's a long time. People understand marketing and PR at a, a certain level, but you talk about transparency, you talk about measurable. Can you talk to me a little bit about how you're different that way? Yeah, fundamentally, working inside traditional agencies, I saw that there were problems. A lot of the work I did was with early stage or small businesses, and the products that they sold, the media relations pitching programs at five or $10,000 a month, simply didn't deliver the value to the business that entrepreneurs needed. And so the idea around the business was about solving some of those problems, but being able to demonstrate value to a, a startup or small business at every stage. Part of that was about explaining what PR and marketing and publicity is supposed to do, how entrepreneurs are supposed to use them in order to get specific goals in their businesses to, to move them forward, and being clear about the definitions. A lot of people in my industry talk about PR, but in reality, the media relations and media pitching that they do is publicity. There's nothing wrong with that, but it doesn't help when there's a lack of clarity. So my definitions of public relations is about building and maintaining key relationships. Marketing is about getting those people with which you have strong relationships to take an action that supports your business. And the thing that nobody talks about in marketing, the definition actually says the action has to be because the person wants to take it. You can't pressure them or force them to take it. And publicity is awareness. Publicity is about telling people about products, services, about new offers. But generally with startups and small businesses, it should be about communicating with people that you already have a relationship with rather than the mass communications that you see some large organizations do. And so that's really the fundamentals of everything that I've done since. And it's making sure that there's clarity and transparency so that it makes sense. If something's not working in the way that we think it will, it's clear why. And when it is, we understand why and we can replicate it. Traditional marketing and PR firms uh, charge a retainer, and it's usually not pretty cheap. How do you work? I work on a, a 
an on-demand basis. It's public relations as a service or marketing as a service, if you want to describe it like that, where entrepreneurs come to us when they need help, they're stuck, they need to move the business forward. And I've developed a framework that has four canvases. So it has a public relations canvas, very much like the, the lean startup business model canvases. Uh, I have a key relationship mapping uh, canvas, which allows entrepreneurs to look to see either who they know and how that can help them to reach people that they need to build relationships with, or if they have people that fit a demographic that you know they're power users, to find more of those people. There's a marketing canvas that looks at you know how you get people to take an action, and there's a lot of psychology in that. But it, the fundamentals of that are about having a strong relationship where people want to make the you know make the action and will take the action. It's like me asking you for fifty you know thousand dollars. You know we've known each other a while now. There's a chance asking somebody randomly to do it on impulse is unlikely. Um, and then there's a publicity one, which is about you know the media journalists and about a process and understanding what journalists need, what they want to build a story, and making sure that as an entrepreneur you're able to deliver that. So I'm a big fan of the Lean Canvas model, and most of our listeners should be aware, and I'll have a, uh, links in the show notes to what a Lean Canvas model is, and obviously to your canvases, hopefully. Great. Um, and you've taken that methodology and that one-pager idea and taken it to marketing and, and PR philosophies? Yeah, that's exactly what we've done. And the key thing is because one of the big problems with traditional PR and marketing is that it's very broad, it's activity hoping for some kind of return. And what we've done is using you know, the lean model is look at what the outcome we want needs to be and then back engineering it and using things like you know, key relationships, understanding who the people are, understanding timing issues. If you're asking somebody to, to make an investment to buy something, they need to be able to do it. And it may be that there's a budget issue where they don't get budget until a certain time where it doesn't matter what you do, you can't get somebody to buy something. But by gathering all of that information, it enables me and the other specialists that work with me at the bar to look at a snapshot and identify very quickly where the likely problem is. We work in 15, 30, and 60-minute increments, and the canvases really become a way that we can manage that because we gather the information ahead of time and it enables us to very quickly identify where we need to focus to you know, get entrepreneurs unstuck and get them moving forward again. Great. That sounds excellent. Do you have any tips for startups, people starting up here in Toronto from a PR marketing perspective? One of the things is identify who the key relationships are. Typically, people don't know, and it's one of the, the, the most common issues that I see, is that in order to get a specific commercial outcome, people don't know who the real influencers are. So I would say understand who they are in Toronto, but you know wherever your business is based or whoever you need to build relationships with, understand who those people are. I would also suggest spending a lot of time on the process of building relationships. Relationships these days with social media tend to be seen as quick and dirty. They're you know, something that you can build quickly and you can dispose of quickly as well. And the reality is that the relationships that you really need to have need to be strong in order to make sure that your business moves in the right direction. It's worth investing time in them. You know, there's capital in you know building relationships because if you build strong enough relationships, you'll find that you'll be going back to the same people, or there'll be a small number of people that are you know the platforms, the pillars of your business, and you know having those relationships in place, investing time and energy in them. And the other thing is think about mutual benefit. A lot of people think about there's something in it for me, and we see this a lot where people are pitching journalists. It's I want coverage. Think about the mutual benefit. How does 
you know, writing about you actually help the journalist? How does it help to attract more readers? How does it get people to spend more time on a page or more time listening to a, a, a TV or radio station? So think about mutual benefit. I think they're really the basics. That sounds uh, great. So if people want to know more about you and your lean canvases, where can they find more? So the website is comms.bar, C-O-M-M-S dot bar. Everyone seems to think I run a nightclub or a, a bar. I'm on Twitter, uh, at think underscore Linden. And my name's Lyndon Johnson, spelled exactly the same way as the slightly more famous president below the border. And at commsbar on Twitter as well. Fantastic. And we'll have all those links in the show notes. Is there any parting words for our guests today? No, I just think that understand, you know, that public relations and marketing can add value, but it's about doing small things and doing things that are strategic, focusing on uh, the activities that are going to move your business forward rather than just doing activity. And if you know, any of the listeners have got questions, I'm usually always available. You can get hold of me, send me an email, or you can contact me on Twitter and ask questions, and if I can, I'll answer for you. That's great. Thank you for being on Startup Talk, Lyndon. My pleasure, Craig. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Startup Talk, and special thanks to our sponsors, get-social.ca, thecons.bar, and twitstart.com. Grow your following. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or in the Google Play Store, and if you've enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps. And join us next week on Startup Talk.